Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I got a message from a brother, a police officer, a retired police officer guy I know on social media last night. And I could tell he's in a bad spot. And after, you know, through his message, you can, you know, you can kind of kind of tell he's having a hard time. But one of the things he said to me, and I think a lot of people can relate to, is this. It's uh he said, Man, I know I need to take time for myself, but I feel selfish if I take time for myself and don't give that to my wife or I don't give that to my children. And he said, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been through that? And I said, absolutely. I said, I have experienced that more times than I can possibly count. And what I told him was this. You got to think about the quality of time that you're giving to the people you love. It's not the quantity of time. It's the quality of the time that you're giving them. When I look at who I used to be, I look at the quality that I gave to my people and it It wasn't the best quality that I could give them. When I started to get selfish with my time, that's when the quality of the time that I was able to give to my people was a lot better. You know, like I would hate to spend every day of my life with my family and make them miserable for every day that I was alive versus being able to spend only a portion of my life with my family but be able to give them my absolute best self. So all of the memories that they have of me later are nothing but phenomenal ones. Not to mention, you know, when you have young children, you're helping form who they're going to become. And so what I told him, I said, dude, I said, you got to look at it like this. You're not being selfish enough with your time. You're not being selfish enough by saying, you know what? I do need to unplug And I do need to just get away for a little while. And, you know, he told me he's not in a dangerous place or anything, but he just wants to get away. He wants to be able to just not give a fuck for a couple of days and take the weight of the world off of his shoulders. And I I could tell how exhausted he was, man. And it's uh, that's a hard place to be in because especially as a father, again, I I can only speak for being a father because I've never been a mother. I've only been a father. I know how heavy that can get. And I know there's a lot of moms out there that carry that weight too. But as a man, as a father, I know that carrying that weight all of the time, that that providing for, that protecting, 
it just gets heavy, man. And you need to be able to put it down and, and, and take a break. And I told him, I said, dude, you need to be able to make sure that the quality that you give them is substantial. You need to be able to make sure that you're giving them the best version of yourself. And if that takes you being selfish, then so be it. And that's where it goes back to having a supportive spouse. Like you really have to have a supportive spouse for people. Now this, I know this police officer. I know what he's been involved in. He's involved in a very high profile um, shooting that took the lives of multiple police officers. Um, I'm not going to say where because I'd like to say I'd try to protect anonymity. But... Um, he was involved in a significant event and it weighs on him heavily. And that's not obviously the only thing he was ever involved in, but what are we doing to take care of ourselves, brothers and sisters? Well, I mean, what are we doing? It's not just starting to sound like an old church show when I throw out to brothers and sisters. Um, what are we really doing to take care of ourselves? And are we, are we surrounding ourselves with the, with the appropriate support group to help facilitate our recovery to a better place. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I think one of the hardest things for a spouse is when you do need to have that selfish time, that me time where I need to unplug. And then the spouse is sitting over there having the, well, what about me? Like, when do I ever get to do that? I look at my own life. I have a wife that our, our oldest is eight. I can count on probably two fingers. How many, how many times that woman has had, time to herself and that is because of me that's because it's always been known that Travis needs time to himself and Travis is the one who has been traumatically affected in his life with this and with that and so on and so forth but when the truth of it is the spouse ends up paying for it you know when do they ever get time to just have them time. That's what I think the hardest thing about being married to or being in a relationship with someone who has experienced severe trauma. That spouse is now taking on the support role that many times they have no clue what they're signing up for. And that has got to be a very, very hard thing to do. I think last time I was talking at a post-traumatic purpose course a couple weeks ago, I I made con- eye contact with a lady in the front row and I said, it'd be like me handing you a bunch of metal and nuts and bolts and a motor and rims and tires and telling you here, assemble this vehicle without any instructions. That's what it's like dealing with us. I mean, it's you're, you're literally trying to help keep this thing going. You have no idea how to do it, but it's just a, it's a big scramble. It's always a scramble. And I really think it's the hardest job in the world is being the spouse of somebody that's been affected by traumatic experiences. You know, there is no roadmap to success with this thing. And, but I tell people the only thing that helps is open line of communication. That's what it takes. I, you know, I still have a hard time with that sometimes myself. I need to practice more of what I preach, but I'm going to tell you right now, I just did something that I haven't done in a very long time. I know the importance of unplugging. I know the importance of self-care, but a lot of times I put myself in a situation where I just can't care for myself the way that I need to. But fortunately for me, as my schedule has slowed down, I've had this entire week off. I actually, I didn't check emails. 
I didn't do anything that was related to work. Today is Sunday, uh, November the 27th, and this podcast comes out tomorrow, Monday, November the 28th. Normally, I record a couple of days before because I have throughout the week, I make notes. I think about talking points that I want to talk about on my podcast, et cetera, et cetera. But this week, I unplugged to the point where I gave zero fucks through the whole week about anything. And now my back is against the wall and I got to pump out a podcast. I um, I didn't listen to the news and at all this week. I didn't watch Fox News. I didn't listen to conservative talk radio on my way to the gym when I'm, when I'm getting my truck, when I go to the gym in the mornings. I didn't listen to any of that bullshit. And I'm going to tell you what. I feel honestly, I feel like a, um, a toxic load has been lifted off of my shoulders and it makes me, it's almost like, uh, like alcoholics anonymous. I've never been to that, but I could imagine if you go to AA, what it's like counting the days that you don't drink. Like, oh my gosh, I've made it three days. Oh my gosh, I've made it a week. And before you know it, you've made it a year and how much cleaner your your, your soul feels from that. Now, I do know what it's like to quit drinking. I never counted the days, but I know it's been over 10 years. Um, 11 years, something like that. No, 10 years. And I think now that I've, I've been a week without listening and watching. I did this before. I went for like a year without watching the news or six months, something. something. And I want to do it all over again because I've never felt more... Um, less paranoid. I've, I've never felt more relieved. You know, when you watch that stuff, especially when you're in a, uh, a headspace that's not a healthy one, it does make you a little bit more paranoid. It makes you more cynical. It makes you more skeptical of what the real world is like out there. I tell people in my classes all the time, I've traveled the world multiple times over uh, since I've been out of the, the emergency services. And I've never seen one bad thing in 12 years. I haven't seen a a really bad thing happen in 12 years because for the most part, the world is a very good place. It's a very safe place. The the problem is when the jobs that we work in, we don't get to see the safety and the comfort and the beauty in the real world. We see the nasty and the ugly because that's what we signed up for. We are the ones that they call when all the ugliness rears its head. So we're constantly going to ugly event after ugly event after ugly event. And so therefore we think the world is just this nasty, nasty place when honestly, it's really not. I mean, I could go back to work today. If I went back to work today, it'd probably be, I'd probably see 10, 15 bad things, you know, um, or it'd be possible. But that's why I don't put myself in those situations anymore. I get asked all the time when I go around, I'll get asked, you know, hey, do you want to go on a ride along? Hey, do you want to ride the rig to a couple calls? And uh, recently, uh, I was in Illinois, and my buddy Jamie goes, man, you missed a good call last night. We were at the firehouse, and I stopped him. I was like, no, I didn't miss shit. I didn't miss anything. I, I'm i glad that I wasn't there because I've, I've, I've seen more than my share of horrible and more of my share of uncomfortable and more of my share of unfortunate situations for people that – I don't care to really ever see another one. And I'm sure if I had to, I'd I'd deal with it appropriately, but I don't have to anymore. And that's, there's beauty in that. There's uh, I take comfort in that. I, uh, I try to tell people now, you know, 
what I try to do is I try to put myself when I go out places, I try not to be as paranoid anymore. I can't, I can't help it, but because I do know the harsh reality of what's out there. And I guess I got jaded for a long time where I thought every person was, you know, when we're, when you're a police, you know, you have, we had this old saying, everybody suspect, everybody until you prove to me that you're not suspect, you're, you're suspect. And so I keep, I keep my guard up with everybody. I keep my walls up. I, I it, essentially, I make people prove to me that they're a good person before I can even, um, entertain a conversation with some sometimes. And that's not healthy. That's not good. Um, I don't want to really be like that. And I don't want to paint that, uh, vision or that version of the world for my children. I want them when they leave, uh, my house, I want them to, to, to go out into the world and think that it's a beautiful place because it really is. I'm getting, I'm getting off topic, but the, I'll spin a little bit off of the last podcast that I was on. When you live your life like that and you don't trust and you don't love, what happens is you put yourself in a corner and you put yourself in a corner by yourself and you push everybody away so far that at the end of your life, you don't have any friends. And I know that sounds, I hear cops joke about it all the time. I hear some firefighters that talk about it like, I don't like people. I don't trust people. I hate people. I used to say the same things. I hate people. And it's like, we shouldn't, shouldn't hate everybody shouldn't be upset with everybody. If you start to feel like that, that's a clear indicator. Something's going on in your life and something has changed because I promise you, most of us were not like that when we were young. Most of us never hated people. Most of us liked people. And I'm going to tell you like this. I was watching the Clemson Carolina football game this weekend with my wife and my kids. And we were at the farm and Carolina has not beat Clemson in nine years. Okay. I'm a Carolina fan. Uh, I've enjoyed watching Clemson over the last 10 years because they got really good. And if you know anything about Carolina football, we've always been bad. It just it, It's not that we were bad. We always find ways to beat ourselves, but I'm not going down the, the NCAA football rabbit hole. So this game was was really special because Carolina just, uh, just knocked off Tennessee when Tennessee was number three, and then they were up against another top 10, 10, uh, top 10 team. And if they knocked them off, that'd be two in, in, in two weeks, you know, back-to-back. And so it was a big game, and it's a big rivalry. It's the end of the year, and Clemson was uh, eligible to go uh, for, to the playoffs. And if Carolina knocked them off, that knocked their eligibility off. So, you know, we were pulling a little extra for Carolina. And uh, you know what I saw when I was watching the, t- the TV? I was watching these young kids, and I look over at my wife, and I go, look at how much fun all those kids are having. And I, and I remember seeing one of the girls was, that she was upset because Carolina just scored and taken the lead. And I was making fun of her. She was so upset. And then I go, Oh, look, my daddy pays for my college and I'm here drinking, drinking and partying and having a good time. And my team has won for over a decade and heaven forbid another team score on some. And I was just being an asshole. Right. And my wife said, why would you say that? And you know what I said? I looked at her and said, because I hate people. And then I, I saw my two kids sitting there and then, I had to, I had to stop and I go, no, I don't hate people. I looked at them and I said, maybe I'm just unhappy with myself. And before my kids could even start asking questions, cause they were going to be like, why do you hate me? You know? And I thought about that for a second. And then I went back and I said, look at the way all those kids are having a good time at that game. You know what it was? I was jealous. 
I was very envious that other human beings could smile and get lost in a moment and have fun and not sit there looking over their shoulder, thinking everybody around them is bad and everybody around them is there getting ready to take advantage of them and steal their wallet and shank them or steal their car or take advantage of them in some kind of way. They were lost in the moment. These were a bunch of young kids. I can't speak for all of them because I'm sure some of them had rough upbringings. I'm sure many of them have seen their share of trauma, you know, because by the time I was 18, I'd already seen so many dead people. I I lost count, you know. So I'm not knocking them for that. I want, I just lost my train of thought, but I'm going to catch up here. What it was, was I thought about when is the last time in my life that I truly felt like that when I looked at those kids and I saw the happiness and the joy and the celebration in them. And man, I could, I couldn't remember. I don't remember a time. I don't remember a time where I've ever been that happy. You know, I was watching, obviously they were playing in Clemson and the Clemson fans were going crazy when they were winning. And I was just, that's what it was. I've turned into a bitter, bitter man that finds fault with, with other people and other things because of something inside of me. It's not, it's not anybody else. It's something inside of me has changed. And I want to fix that. Like I want, I want to be able to take my children to a game and let them experience that kind of joy. I want to be able to surround myself with human beings having fun like that. You know, when I was in the comedy business and I was doing comedy clubs and and in all these, you know, big venues that we would play in front of these crowds and stuff, that was fun. But I was there working. I wasn't part of like the group, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I want to know what it's like to have fun again. I've been missing that for a long time. And is this week has given me so many things to think about unplugging for a week that I really didn't want to record today. I know I, I dropped a hint two episodes ago that that might be my last episode for a little while, but I was dreading recording this today because I don't want to, to sit down and, and talk mental health right now, but it helps me. It's very therapeutic and I know it helps other people because I mean, I see the messages that I get and sometimes it's, it's very overwhelming to handle all of them. And the crazy part is that so many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We go, we wake up, we worry about providing for our family. We worry about bills. We worry about the future. We worry about everything else except what we have right now. And how many times have I said that on different episodes on here? We need to focus more on what we have right now and enjoy it right now. But how do you get lost in a moment to where you can actually feel alive? I mean, truly, truly alive. And that's, that's what I'm, that I'm just speaking for myself. That's what I'm searching for right now. There's a joy thief out there 
And that joy thief is called hypervigilance. See, we think it's great to be aware and alert all of the time. We think nobody's going to catch me um, not paying attention. I'm not going to get caught with my back to the door. I'm always going to see a threat coming, et cetera, et cetera. When the truth is, those those threats really never come. Um, I teach about this in post-traumatic purpose. <laughs> it's crazy. If I look at myself over the years, just speaking for me, and how many times I've watched over my shoulder and I've watched around corners and I've planned for all of these bad things to happen just in case they do happen that I have a plan. And if I can tell you on zero fingers how many times the bad things have happened, none. It's never happened. I'm actually doing it right now. I'm recording an episode and it's I watch my driveway like a hawk. I'm just sitting there because a car this morning pulled up in my driveway at the very end of my uh, my drive where my gate is, and it stopped for like 10 seconds. And I immediately got on my Polaris and went down there to investigate, and they left. They were gone. I can't relax long enough to just let somebody turn around, somebody that's lost like I immediately go to what the fuck is this person doing? I got to figure this out. You know, and it's I remember I was on my tractor yesterday, same thing. And I had my back to my gate and the gate was open and I just kept turning around and looking. Now mind you, nobody's ever been in this driveway except one man a long time ago when I was doing some burning. He drove up the driveway and he was quickly met and I had a gun in my hand and he stopped and I think I talked about that episode and it freaked his wife out and they just thought the house was on fire and I shoot him along and it was just like, wow, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have walked up on the man like that, but I didn't know. I mean, you out here in the country, you don't, you never come on somebody's big ass property unannounced out here. You just don't do that. This isn't like a neighborhood where you can just walk around and walk up somebody's door and knock on a door. You always announce yourself in the country because Anybody that lives in the country will tell you, you, you don't step foot on a fucking person's land without announcing it. It's just, it's just how it goes. But I started thinking like, why do I always have to do that? Why do I always have to watch over my shoulder? And I can't, I can't even enjoy five fucking minutes on my tractor without thinking the boogeyman's, you know, coming up behind you. Well, I'll tell you why that's for my training and my experience in, in life and real, real world situations. that have led me to be like that. And that's a joy stealer. It's a joy stealer when you're with your family. You ever see the mama lion when the, when the baby cubs are out playing the mama lion, she's sitting up because daddy lions ain't shit. I'm just going to tell you right now, daddy lion, all they want to do is eat and fuck. That's it. And they don't care about really nothing else except fighting every once in a while. But the mama lion is a bigger protector than the daddy lion. The mama, mama lion is always on alert. And the babies will be crawling all over her. And she's not even in the moment with them most of the time. If you watch, they're just hypervigilant. And they're looking and they're assessing and they're planning their next move. And dude, how much of our life passes us by? I've had my daughter sitting there talking to me. I'm talking a full-blown conversation and I don't even know what it is they're talking about because we'll be in public. And I'm just watching people. I'm watching people's hands. 
I'm watching their feet. I'm watching their mannerism. I'm watching their gestures. I'm watching their expressions. I'm just reading body language constantly. And then when we get home, I have no idea what we as a family even talked about. That's, that's hypervigilance. That's, that's a joy thief. And it steals from you. I don't know how to turn that off completely. I do talk about this in, in post-traumatic purpose when I teach. I do work on it. When I'm aware of it, I nip it in the bud. But it's so second nature to me that a lot of times I don't even realize I'm doing it until I'm really caught up in it. We got to be more aware of that stuff. You know, I get it, police, when you're in uniform, shit, these times, I mean, unfortunately, you are being hunted sometimes now. So you can't, you can't let your guard down. I'll tell you what pisses me off is when I do see police out there and I'm watching them and they're not even watching them. You know, that really upsets me. I'll see these cops just with no um, operational security, none. Their head's not on a swivel. They're just sitting in their car playing on their phone. To, it, it's so crazy. Like you lose your night vision with your phone. I've I've pulled up beside cops before, you know, and then I can see one. They got the monitor from their computer on so bright, you know, they're they're blinded. But then I, you know, you pull up next to them and they're like sitting somewhere in a parking lot, and they're just on their phone and it's taking their night vision away. And then I just pull up and I think, and I'm like, man, you're so lucky that I'm a good person and that I'm watching your back and you don't even know that I'm watching your back right now. And I don't know. It breaks my heart to see some of these cops out there acting like they're not, their job isn't that dangerous. And it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. Maybe they're just not living in fear. But man, when you're doing that job, when you're being hunted the way that they are, you need, you need to have your head on a swivel. What I'm getting at is when you're off duty, right? How do you unplug? How do you, for those ones that do live with their head on a swivel and they do understand the constant threats, how do you unplug that when you're off? That's next to impossible. I mean, when you're in a career where your survival is nothing but it's all based on instinct. I mean, I wish I could tell y'all some, I'm not even going to go there. I can't even talk about that. Just going to be taken out of context. I could talk about some really cool things, but with the way the political climate is right now, you got to be very careful at what you talk about. And that's what sucks. I remember when stand-up comedy was still fun. When we, (laughs) you could go on stage and you could literally talk about anything and everybody. It was I remember the shit we would say on stage sometimes. You were like, how am I not getting my ass kicked up here right now? How is no, but people would just be laughing. People would be having the best time and you could be saying the most insulting things. And it was just fun. Everybody knew that back then it was just comedy. And and, and like, hey, that's what we came here to do. We came here to hear stuff that we shouldn't be laughing at. And so everybody was just cool. And then, I don't know. I I remember the change started when you would start talking about things that you've always talked about, and then comedy uh, um, audiences would start moaning, and it got to a point where it just sounded like you were in a comedy orgy. Like everybody was getting, it's just like oh, oh, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like 
this shit was funny two years ago, and now all of a sudden we can't laugh at it. That's why I'm glad I, I, I'm out of comedy. I actually, it was it was actually kind of cool the other day. I was asked about a private event, and I was honored that I was asked. But then at the same time, I was honored that I was able to decline it because I was like, you know what? No, sir, I don't. I no longer do that. Um, I I walked away from that and. That's that's one of the big reasons why, man, because it just it did it wasn't fun anymore. I got to a point where I said, you know what, I'm just gonna only talk about me. And I, I so I turned all of my comedy inward and I made just made fun of my life and myself and then it was acceptable. Do the jokes we used to do. Oh my god, it was so much fun. I hope it I hope it can get back to that one day. I don't I don't know how with all these sensitive bitches out there though. I mean, I could go down a list of things. I, sh- I remember watching Mike Epps one time. Uh, I was at a, if y'all know who Mike Epps is, he does date, he plays day day on Friday and I watched this dude light up this girl in the front row and it was a a skinny little white girl and she had a big head. (laughs) This motherfucker said, oh my God, he goes, who, he said it just like he said, who let this bitch in here? She looks like a, (laughs) he's so skinny in her big ass head. She looks like a fucking nail. And that place was going i'm fucking crying as i'm sitting here telling you all this because that is that's somebody's child that's somebody's daughter all right but here's the crazy part i was there she was laughing she might have been uncomfortable but she was still laughing she didn't get butt hurt she didn't make a scene she was laughing i've seen people literally shit in their pants at comedy shows i have I ever told you all about the Benoit balls at um, when I was, where were we playing? We were in um, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I think I've talked about that, where the lady was laughing so hard, two Benoit balls fell out of her, um, I'll say her purse. How about that? It was her her flesh purse. It. I don't know if I ever talked about, I don't know if I've ever talked about that. I mean, there was some crazy stuff that used to happen. I have seen the biggest insults and nobody nobody would ever get get upset like i mean there's shit i can't even say on here that it's on the tip of my tongue too boy it's, i want to say it i i could have y'all fucking rolling laughing in your in, in your wherever you're listening to this i could have y'all dying at some of the shit that, that used to go on um but yeah i like to sit back on my farm and think about think about stuff like that all the time i remember just how much fun comedy was. This is just how much fun it was. I remember just for an opportunity for me to go tell jokes for five minutes on stage, I would drive three hours round trip in the middle of the night just for a chance. Not that I was going to get on stage that night, but I had a chance that I could get on stage at night. I would drive from my, um, from Charleston, South Carolina to Columbia, South Carolina, there was a comedy club where I first started called Comedy House. And you could get there and you might get on stage. That's when you know, you know, this is going to come back full circle. That's what I'm talking about, about looking forward to something and having so much fun with something. You look that forward to doing something. When's the last time you drove three hours round trip to do anything 
You know, I mean, a lot of people think now, now a three hour round trip ain't shit because I've driven for 15 years and I, I've, I've done 21 hour drives. I can't tell you how many countless times, um, and I've done them straight. So three hours isn't shit, but I remember going driving three hours just for five minutes. And sometimes you wouldn't get to get on stage. Shit. Randy likes telling a story. I remember this one time in Atlanta, I worked a 48 hour shift, um, at the fire department. I get off after a very busy 48 hours and me and a kid named junior, we, uh, we drove in his truck to Atlanta just for a chance to get on stage. Cause I was promised actually that I would get on stage that night. They actually, um, promised me I would get on. We drove there. We waited all fucking night. I mean, all night. This was one of those comedy clubs that opened at eight and it closed at one. I mean, it was open all night. And one o'clock came and they came and they're like, sorry, you're not going on. And we had to drive back and I had to go to work the next morning at eight o'clock in the morning. And the next weekend, guess what? I hauled my ass right back up there. I mean, that's, that's how much fun it was. That's, you looked so forward to doing something. I want that again. I want to look, look forward to that's that, uh, that's when you just like, um, I don't even have words to describe that. I remember driving 10 hours to Mississippi just to tell five minutes of jokes. You know, that's insane. That's uh, when I start looking, I can, I love looking back at the comedy that I used to do and, and the things that I went through flying all around the country and shit and getting shit on by, um, comedy club owners. Cause you know, I will, I'll just be straight up. Most of them are douchebags. Um, the bookers, most of them are douchebags. The agents, most of them are douchebags. There's a lot of shitty people in that business. And this isn't me talking about something. I don't know. This is something I know very well. There are a lot of shitty people in that business. There's also a lot of good people. Um, they're just, they're just fucking hard to find. Um, but the, all those shitty ones that, that you come across, it's, it's, it makes you who you become. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade any of those moments. And there's a lot of shitty ones. I wouldn't trade them because it, it made me who I was. And I talk about that in post-traumatic purpose too. I talk about how perspective in life, all the bad things we go through in life, you got to be able to see the good in them, man. Because anytime something happens to you, it's, it's, it's just, it's a redirecting moment in life. Y'all can tell I don't have any notes today, huh? Y'all can tell that I didn't think about this podcast all week. I I got a feeling this is probably the shittiest episode I've ever done. But you don't know the crazy part? There's one person. There's one person that will hear it that it's going to hit home to. There's one person that's going to resonate with. And that one person, my friend, it's going to help. So that's why we do this. That's why we get on week in and week out. I got football on in the background. I'm not even watching. I got a pot roast going by myself at my farm, just chilling. I got another week, and then I'm in Crystal River, Florida, with the Florida Wildlife Commission. And I cannot wait to see those guys and girls down there. Uh, taking my whole family, it's just it's more of a vacation for me than anything. It's uh, I'm going to get to see some buddies and and teach a class to some fine fine law enforcement officials down there, and uh, then that's it for the year. And uh, 2023 schedule will be coming out soon. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you um, I'm being very selective with my dates because I have to because uh, I'm not going to do 75 events again this year. There's no way. There's I'm not even going to do 30 events this year. I just I just 
cannot do it and maintain my sanity. I remember uh, when I was young in comedy and I would see these comedians and I was like, man, why do they ever come off the road? That road, like when you would see the famous ones on the road living on tour buses and shit. Well, there's a reason for it because it's very, very hard. It's very, very brutal on you out there. And so I'm glad that uh, that I'm going to tone it down a little bit. Again, thank you all for the support. We will have, uh, well, I say we, uh, I will be recording more episodes and, and getting those out to you. Um, I'm not going to apologize if this one fell short. I'm actually happy because, look, I've unplugged for a little bit. We all need to do that. Take care of yourself. Make sure that, that you unplug from time to time. Make sure you don't force people out of your life. Make sure that you don't become that jaded person that hates society and hates people. Uh, because, there, honestly, there's really no need to. It's it's these professions that we do do that to us. It's not that all people are bad. You know, you know what I think about all the time, too? There's somebody out there that doesn't know who I am and that they would see me walking down the street and look at me the same way I would look at them. Like, look at this motherfucker right here. Like, what well, what was a shyster up to, right? And I'm actually, I think I'm a fairly good dude. And I, I think I offer, uh, contribute to society and I have things to offer. But there are people out there that would see me as a fucking shit bag. And I would see them the exact same way. And that's what I'm saying. It's just not fair. So... I don't know how you do that individually. I think you get in front of it before you get behind it because it's uh, it comes from a lifetime of working in careers where you're just you, you know um, you're desensitized to so much that you think everything around you is bad. But I'm tell you right now what's going to happen. You're going to end up in life with no friends. And I know we sit there and say that I don't want anybody but my dog. I say that all the time, but I'm going to tell you, it's lonely as shit. I would love to have friends. The problem now, it's like it's hard finding out who who you can really be friends with. I thought I had some friends, and uh, I tried to be friends. I've tried, to, I've tried to make relationships with people, and people will disappoint you sometimes, but you can't give up. You can't give up on trying to make new friends here and there because what's going to happen, I promise you, if you don't, you're going to have friends in no places like my boy, Garth Brooks. <laughs> that's what this episode is going to be titled friends in no places. Um, that's going to be you because look at, take it from a guy who, uh, has friends in no places. I have Randy sent me a screenshot of his phone today on his favorites. There's four people and two of them are his wife and I'm one of them. So that means his wife has two phones. I'm one of his people. And then another buddy of ours is on it. And that's it. I mean, that's the reality when you're in your mid forties and you've lived a life like a lot of us have lived. You, you don't shit. Who are you going to call in case of emergency? Just nobody. I mean, I need to start adding some people to my favorites. That's what I think it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start opening up my favorites. Cause I got four on there too, four or five. Um, all right. Um, yeah, y'all have a good one. Thank you. I love y'all.